This is Church Alive's Teaching of the Week. For additional teachings or information about the church, visit us online at churchalive.net. But without further ado, would you guys please stand and let's honor Pastor Gerald Miller while he comes up and teaches today. All right. Hey, I'm excited. I always like to deal with uh, spiritual gifts. This is my, my favorite topic that we deal with. I grew up in a charismatic church, and uh, we always heard about spiritual gifts, but we never really, like, I can't really consciously remember ever being taught, like, this is the gifts, this is why they're important, this is how you use them, this is how you develop them, this is how you play your part. And um, so I was like, I feel like this is an important aspect of what it is to be a church, to be on a mission together, to be planted, so to speak, and growing. And um, here's one of the things that I want to make sure that we clarify even before we get started, and that is spiritual gifts are not necessarily a black and white thing, okay? So a lot of people have a lot of different opinions, and the problem with having different opinions is that most people's opinions are based on at least something in Scripture, right? People don't have, like, opinions just because, well, I think I'm going to think this. And so people come down on different places, and then so what tends to happen is we tend to take a stance and say, this is what I think, and then we don't want to, like, we try to swing back and forth between different things. So what I want to encourage us to deal with is to try to deal with tension today, um, pastor Rick Paladin is one of the pastors from the NRP uh, church in Pittsburgh. And he explained to me one time, he doesn't really like the term balance because balance kind of implies you're, you're trying in the middle and you're trying to keep from tipping from one way to the other. But if you use the word tension, if you think about basically um, pulling a rubber band, once you pull it too far one way, it's automatically going to kind of start pulling you back the other way. And the same is true like if you start pulling too far the other way, it's going to start pulling you back. And so if you can learn to live in the middle where you're being pulled both directions instead of just swinging from one end to the other, then you have to learn to live with tension. And part, most of the issues that churches get hung up on are not black and white issues. They're things where we just choose not to live with tension. Right, So I'm going to say some things that you may not necessarily agree with, or you may be like, well, I, that's not the way that I learned it, or, or whatever, but that's okay. You know what? My encouragement for you this morning is wrestle with the Scripture and trying to figure out what is it that you feel like the Scripture is saying for you, and how do you apply it for your life? I always tell people, I don't care where you come down on what your opinion is, but show me the Scripture that is what you're basing what your opinion is. Just don't pull an opinion out of nowhere that isn't based on Scripture. You know, you have to at least wrestle with, this is why I believe what I believe. So, I don't know, hopefully you have heard of spiritual gifts before at some point or another, but today we're going to talk about just some ground level things as far as why they're important and um, don't get hung up on anything that you may or may not necessarily understand or anything else. Before we get started, we at Church Alive, we believe in speaking to things. And so right now I speak to every heart in this place and I command it to be fertile soil yes. to produce fruit, yes. to hear yes. what the word of God says yes. and to not get hung up in confusion, to not have doubt or to not have um, issues of understanding, but we just speak that there's clarity this morning to receive what the Word has 
and that that word is implanted and produces fruit. Amen? Amen. All right, for, for most of you who don't know, there's two main sections in Scripture that deal with spiritual gifts. And they're 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. There's also um, references in Ephesians. But the main section that we're going to be dealing with today is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So we're dealing with being planted. And an important part about being planted is where I want to start, and that is basically understanding spiritual gifts. Paul talks, he starts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, and he says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. One of the things about Scripture is that Paul is usually, well, anyway, whoever is writing, especially in the New Testament, a lot of times it's a letter. And a lot of times it is a letter in response to a question that someone else has already asked or a situation that they happen to be dealing with. So the fact that Paul is basically telling them, I don't want you to be uninformed, tells me that there's a good possibility that they were, at the time, uninformed. And also, a good implication for ourselves is being informed is not something that we just wake up with. It's something that we actually have to take an active part in becoming informed. And actually, it's not just something where I'm a Christian, I now know all there is to know about what I need to know. No, God does not like just magically impart things to us like that. So why does it matter? I kind of hesitate to define spiritual gifts because they're not really, there's nowhere in scripture where it says this is what a spiritual gift is. But definitions are helpful for me. I came up with, as a definition of what a spiritual gift is, it is basically a God-given, unique capacity or ability that is imparted to each believer for the purpose of building up somebody else. So it's something that God gives to Miss Jane, to Pastor Mark, to Tori. He gives each person a unique ability or capacity to build up somebody else through him. And you see, Paul kind of deals with some of these in 1 Corinthians starting in uh, chapter 12, starting in verse 8, he says, To one person the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives the message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. If he gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy, he gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in an unknown language, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which each gift a person should have. All right? So regardless of where you come down with on spiritual gifts, you kind of have to deal with this. It's pretty clear that it seems like Paul's like, God decides who gets what gift, and there's different gifts, and they're from God. So now you get to go and try to apply it. All right, so a couple just basic takeaways that I get. The first thing is, is that if it's from God, it's got to be good. Amen. Because James talks about every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shifting of shadow. In other words, he's the same today, yesterday, forever. 
And so if he's good, if he was good back then, he's good today, he will be good in the future. And if he has it and wants to give it to you, it's probably good. So that's, I mean, that's a good starting point. So like, regardless of like what you have known about spiritual gifts in the past, the fact that it is good ought to make you say, I'm interested. It's good. God wants to give it to me. Sign me up. I don't really need to know a whole lot more than that. Right? He gives different gifts to each person. And he decides what gift each person gets. So I don't like look at Pastor Mark and say, like, well, I, I kind of wish I had Pastor Mark's gift. I mean, God's like, well, Gerald, I have something specifically for you. And guess what? It's good for you. Right. You know what? And so, like, one of the things that's easy to get hung up with on spiritual gifts is we kind of get the spirit of envy where we're like, <clears throat> I really kind of wish that I, I was good at, at this. You know, I really want God to give me this. And God's like, God knows my heart and God knows what it is that I need for my life. You know, I'm not responsible to walk out of anybody else's life. I'm responsible for my life or whatnot. So God gets to decide and he knows more than I do to start with. So he's going to do a better job of that. Amen. First Corinthians 12, four says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we say serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. It's pretty simple. God gives them so that we can help each other. Going back to my definition, he gives them so that we can encourage or build up somebody else. So my other basic takeaway from spiritual gifts is he gives them for the good of the body. He gives them to encourage, to help somebody else, which the implication is if I have a gift and I'm not using it, then somebody else is not getting something that God wants them to have. I mean, because if God gave me a gift to help somebody and I'm not giving it, that doesn't mean that they can go to somebody else to get it. God has something specifically for me to give and if I don't give it, then they are not receiving it. Amen. Right? So that's, that's part of the dynamic of spiritual gifts that we don't really like to deal with the responsibility of acknowledging like God actually wants to use me in a certain way. Because at the point that I do that, I now have to deal with, well, I don't really feel like doing that or whatever. Um, so if you look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13... Paul says, so Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ can be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So, Here's, there's a couple of things that are, are kind of laid out basically in this section as I see pertaining to spiritual gifts. And that is basically God gives the gifts so that we can build up the body and the goal is that we look like Christ. That's basically, that's basically what he says. He says we're supposed to build up the body until we reach the unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness 
of Christ. When we have all achieved the fullness of Christ, then we can all stop using our, our spiritual gifts. Until we have all reached the fullness of Christ, we're supposed to be helping each other get there. Right? right? So that's basically the end point that we're going for. Right? And here's the other cool thing. If you look in Ephesians chapter 2, 19 to 22, my brother, I stole this from him. Um, he gave me, he, he was explaining this kind of insight that he got. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And so I stole it and I now use it on this, but I try to give him props whenever I do that. But Ephesians chapter 2, 19 says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. So he's, he's talking in the context of there being division between the Jews and the Gentiles because the Jews for a long time were God's chosen people and the Gentiles felt like they weren't. And now Paul is saying, like, now you're, you're in it together, right? You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord, through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So some of you may have heard this verse before. This was the part that was kind of insight to me. God's building a dwelling place for himself, and he has chosen that dwelling place to be the church body. Okay, so he's also given each one of us gifts to utilize to build each other up and become a better dwelling place yeah. right so he says that the way that that looks like is by allowing yourself to be shaped fitted formed placed into the place that he says so that together we host a greater portion of his presence than what we could individually that's the the main goal we're, we're to become look more like Christ. And as we do that, as we allow ourselves to be shaped and fitted together into what he's building, because he said, I will build my church. Right. right. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Right. So to the measure that we do that, he's creating a dwelling place for his presence. Right. So the more unity, the more we allow ourselves to be shaped together. Those are things, that's a, a side benefit of what he's doing. The interesting thing about this is it doesn't say you should put yourself into the building wherever you think is the best spot. He says he is shaping and fitting and molding us, right? And so I have to learn, okay, God, what does that look like for me? I have to learn how to take responsibility with talking to him about it, with searching the word, with, with figuring out, like, Lord, what does it look like for me to be planted in the body where you have me to let myself be used and to be a part of the what it is that you're building. Those are some basic initial standpoints as far as like these are spiritual gifts and these are why they're important. Now in the past, I have dealt with like actually going through and talking about all the spiritual gifts. And I'm not going to do that today because it takes a long time and there's a lot of different spiritual gifts. Um, and they're all over the place. And I was like, you know, that's really something that ought to be a personal journey where you can kind of take some of that and wrestle with it through yourself. And so we've actually developed some resources up here for you to kind of sort through that have a 
uh, spiritual gift definition. It has scripture reference for um, references for different definitions, and it has a, a test for you to kind of go through and look at what your possible gift might be. So get one of those because that's going to be very helpful if you have no past um, experience or if you maybe don't really understand what does the scripture exactly say about spiritual gifts. What I want to spend more time on today is basically talking about one, how do we receive our spiritual gifts? And two, what do we do with it? Because that's an important part of what being planted is, is actually utilizing what God's given us. So receiving spiritual gifts is very simple. Uh, you have to accept Jesus. That's, that's yeah. step A. I mean, um, Peter says in Acts 2, 38 and 39, each one of you repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Furthermore, this is a promise to you, to your children, even to the Gentiles, all who have been called according to the Lord. So he basically said, like, look, if you do this, this is a promise for you. You want it? It's yours for the taking. Two, and this may feel a little, uh, I don't know, juvenile, maybe, but believe that God has a gift for you. Because here's the deal. If you don't actually think it exists, the chances are you're not going to spend a lot of time with it, right? And if you don't think it's going to be good, the chances are probably not going to spend a lot of time with it. But if you believe that God actually has it and he wants to give it to you, then it's a little bit easier to say, all right, God, what's my role? What's my responsibility? Like, what, what, what is it that, that I'm going to do? And in the case of you're wondering whether or not he actually does have a gift, that he does want to give to you, or if it even matters if you ask. In James chapter 1, 5, he says, If any of you needs wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. Because he will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone, and don't waver for a person who is divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So God's basically saying like, look, if you want it, ask for it. And believe that I want to give it to you. I think it's a, I think it's a Luke chapter 11, verse 9. I'm not sure. It's, what, it's verse 9 of Luke, whatever, whatever chapter it is. But it says, And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive for what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For anyone who asks receives, anyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. How many of you realize that that was specifically in the context of the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts? Because it says, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do not give them a snake instead. Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will not your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So he's like, it's good. All you have to do is ask and I'll be happy to give it to you. So it's pretty simple. Accept the Lord, believe that he wants to give it to you. And ask him for it. Right. All right, so if you do those three things, and the chances are that if you're here today, then at some point or another, you probably have done something along those lines, at least to the point of, like, I've heard about this. What do you do with it? Well, here's the thing. Anybody ever heard of a guy named Timothy in Scripture? He was one of um, Paul's, like, protégés, so to speak, 
He's fairly important. He has two books in the Bible that were named after him because Paul wrote a letter to him. So this is what Paul tells him. He gives him advice in 1 Timothy chapter 4, 14 through 15. He says, do not neglect the spiritual gift that you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into the task so that everyone will see your progress. That's sobering. Because Paul's like, look, Timothy, you've got something that God gave you. Now, guess what? Pay attention to it because if you're doing your part, everybody around you ought to be able to see you changing. That's a little um, sobering for me because the implication is, is that you can also not pay attention to it. And by result, other people around you may not even be able to tell what your spiritual gift is or how God wants to use you or what kind of a difference you're making in somebody else's life. And this is a guy who, he was a church leader. And, uh, and Paul said, to him, hey, look, you know what? This is a possibility that you could get to a point where you stop paying attention to what God's given you and you didn't make sure. In 2 Timothy, he actually says, jealously guard what the Spirit has entrusted to you. So if you're here this morning, I want to just encourage you, God has trusted you with something. What is it? Well, that's, that's your job to pay attention to, right? But everybody here ought to be able to see you changing, ought to be able to see you growing because you're paying attention to what God's given you. That's part of being planted, is that I move past the point of feeling like I'm going to come into church, I'm going to sit, and I'm going to be a parasite, which a parasite is basically something that only takes and never gives back. And I'm going to actually start paying attention to what God's placed inside of me so I recognize that I have a responsibility of what am I doing with what he's given me. If you look at the parable of the sower in Matthew, whenever I get ready to plant my garden, I go out and I, you know, I till up the soil and I, I get everything ready. I plant the seed and I go back inside. And I don't ever have a question of whether or not the seed is actually going to come up. I don't have to see something coming up through the soil for me to know that there's a seed in there that I got to pay attention to, right? I don't go out and be like, oh, I wonder, I wonder if there's anything still in there or not. You know, I'm like, okay, I need, to, I need to water it. We pay attention in the natural to the ideas of sowing and reaping, right? We understand like, I can't just throw a seed out there and then not pay attention to it, right? I got to go, I'm going to plant something. I know that there's something coming, but I also know that I have a responsibility pull out the weeds or the things that might get me sidetracked off of this. I got to water it. I got to make sure that it's getting sunshine, that somebody's not coming along and putting something on top of it. You know, I got to prepare that. So in my experience with most Christians, we don't treat our lives like there's actually been anything planted inside of us, right? We treat our lives like, well, if God wants it to grow, then it's just going to magically appear. God said, I planted something inside of you. Now the question is whether or not you're going to jealously guard what it is that I've given you. Right? Because if you're not weeding out the weeds, and if you're not watering it, and you're not giving it sunshine, and you're not paying attention to it, don't be surprised if it doesn't grow. One of the difficulties 
with spiritual gifts is that at times we tend to want the spiritual gift to all of a sudden, boom, if I have the gift of prophecy, then I'm just all of a sudden going to prophesy. Well, it's like, well, I mean, that, that could be true in your case, but it's probably more likely that you're going to have to kind of like do a little bit of practicing. You're going to actually have to like read some scripture that you're going to have to like, you know, grow into that yeah. just a little bit. Because, you know, if you, if you have the gift of teaching, the chances are that you're, you're probably not just going to all of a sudden open the Bible and boom, have a three-point message that has a prayer and a poem at the end of it. I mean, that's just like, <laughs> it's, it's just, I mean, you're, you're going to have to exercise that yeah. and practice it just a little bit. So back to the parable of the sower, the growth is caused by the soil. Right, so it's the, it was the condition of the soil that ended up being what led to the health or the lack of health in whatever it is that was growing, right? So I think that in this context, I think the soil, specifically with relation to spiritual gifts, is our heart, okay? And, that, and I think that, you know, the scripture is all about layers. And yes, I think on, on some levels, the parable of the sower is talking about salvation. But I think that there's also talking about just growth as a Christian. Okay. And so my responsibility is not to produce the growth. My responsibility is to pay attention to the soil and let God produce the growth inside of me. Right. So if I get focused on, I have to produce healing. It's probably not going to work. But if I get focused on, God, what are you trying to do in my heart? Then God is going to position me to be able to receive what I need to receive and be able to have correction and direction so that I can grow in that area and actually be able to exercise what it is that he's given me. So the first thing when we talk about developing gifts, we have to start with our heart. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 31, Paul, he, he basically closes out this whole section where he's going through like this dissertation on this is kind of what you do, don't do, etc. And at the end, he says, you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, but let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Now, a lot of people get hung up with like, okay, he says, like earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. And so that means that there's some more helpful, some less helpful, and we try to like categorize which ones is the most important or least important or anything. Well, to me, the thing that is the most significant about this section is he says, you should earnestly desire. So where's your desire at? That's a pretty good indication of where your heart's at. I remember years ago, um, Pastor Gene Sr., he was talking about spiritual gifts, and he was basically saying that as a church body, he wanted us to kind of um, corporately ask the Lord for a greater... Uh, manifestation of the spiritual gifts here in the body, and so I was like, "Oh yeah, that's that's fantastic." You know, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start praying to that. And so, Lord, we just pray that that you know, there's we're gonna see you move, and that there's gonna be you know, uh, prophecy and healings and all these different things. And and the Lord's like, "Okay, so you should pray that that you get the opportunity to prophesy." And I'm going like, "Whoa, wait a minute, not me, <laughs> like." Why would I want to be the guy that prophesies? I want somebody else to be the person that prophesies. And was like, so you don't actually honestly desire what it is that I'm giving you. You desire somebody else to have it. And I'm going like, oh, there's no way to win these conversations. So the Lord's like, so 
So that's not necessarily a bad thing. That just tells you where your heart's at, right? You, you, don't, you don't want it. I can work with that. Like I can work with the fact that you now know about yourself. You're not really sure you want to be used by me in this way. That doesn't mean that you can't be used by me. That means in order to be used by me, you're going to have to deal with this inside of you. And you're going to have to kind of let me take that and shape it and deal with it. Or you're just going to be basically right where you are for the rest of your life. I think it's, it's a great indication. I always start like, well, how much, do I, how much do I really want God to use me? The truth of the matter is, is for a, a pretty good portion of my life, it was probably more accurately to say, I earnestly desire to be left alone to live life as I want to. I mean, and I know that I'm the only person here who that actually feels true to, right? <laughs> That's basically, um, you know, it's a hard issue. You know, we can, we can say like, look, you should get plugged in and you should get involved and you should get planted and let yourself be used. But if we don't actually say like, well, look, if your heart's not in it, it doesn't really matter, right? Because God wants to start with your heart and God wants to take the, what is inside of you that doesn't want to be involved or doesn't want to be inconvenienced or doesn't want to be used. And he wants to take that and say, okay, look, Let's, let's, let's twist this just a little bit. You know what? I can, I can work on this area if you'll let me. But here's the truth. The way life is right now is the way that life is going to continue to be until you decide to let him shape it. There was a survey a couple years ago that I, I read that I found highly fascinating. And it was um, character traits of highly successful people in the corporate world. And the number one character trait of highly successful people was a high level of self-awareness. In other words, somebody who understood themselves and understood things that they were good and not good at, right? Because they said highly self-aware people are more likely to know how to say yes and no to appropriate things. They were more aware on how to ask other people for help on areas that they weren't very good at. And they were more aware on what things they could actually do well that um, they probably ought to be doing. I think spiritual gifts is very similar to that, right? Because having an awareness of this is the gift that God has given me and this is the way that I can use it is very helpful. If I understand this is what my gift is and Pastor Mark has a different gift or Todd has a different gift, if I run into something, it's very helpful for me to know who are my people with, um, you know, a gift of generosity. Who are the people that I that I need to join with me in prayer right now because they have a gift of faith. Who are the people that have an anointing or a gift for healing? Who are the people that have the prophetic spirit? Because if I know all these people, then I recognize, hey, this is a person I need to I need to tap into this right now. Here's the problem. I really think, and this is going to come across harsh, but please hear my heart. One of the reasons why we don't like being self-aware is because we don't really want to take responsibility for it once we know that about ourselves. In other words, if I can just say, I don't know what my spiritual gift is, it's kind of, I don't really know, you know. It's all loosey-goosey. I mean, I can just come to church and it'll be fine, you know. But if I all of a sudden realize I have, say, a gift of being a teacher, I now have to deal with the fact that, well, okay, I know this about myself, and, I, and I'm not doing anything with it. 
And so I don't really want to teach. I don't really want to be inconvenienced by that or whatnot. But I know that I have this gift. And so now I actually have to kind of, I feel bad because I'm a bad person. You know, I have this that God's given me. I'm supposed to be using and I'm not doing it. And so, like, it's easier to just not know. And we're going to go the ignorance is bliss kind of route. It's that's not what God wants for us. So if we're going to talk about heart, and the heart being the soil that the gift is developed in, we have to talk about, here again, we're going, to go, we're going to go with two tensions, right? Two different extremes. And they're laid out in Revelations and in James. So in Revelations chapter 2, starting in verse 2 and going through verse 7, this is a um, short version. There's seven letters that God sends out to the different churches in the area. Interestingly enough, this is the letter to Ephesus, which historically speaking, most people feel like Timothy was actually the head or the overseer of the church at Ephesus. And remember, Paul tells Timothy, pay attention to what I'm giving you and don't neglect it. Now, so he starts and he says, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance, that you cannot tolerate evil men, and you put to test those who call themselves apostles and are not. You found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You've left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I'm coming to you and will remove you from the lampstand out of its place unless you repent. It's interesting because this tells me that doing good things is good, but it's ultimately not what God's after. Because he wants our first love. So again, remember, why is he writing this? Well, he's writing this in the specific situation of somebody who is doing a lot of stuff and forgot why they were doing it. So if we, we, we go back to the context of the soil being, our heart being the soil that that um, the fruit grows in, just using your gift may not be what God's after. God wants your heart, and God wants you to use your gift because you want to give him your heart. Right? right? Yeah. So if I find myself doing things simply for the sake of doing them, I need to check my heart. Right, right? now the flip side of that is found in James chapter 2. Verse 14, and James says, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but he has no works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Hey, go in peace, be warmed and filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. Okay, so what James is basically saying is, is that, hey, it's great that you say that this is what you believe. But if you're not actually living it, then it doesn't really matter. All right, so again, this letter is written in the context of somebody who's saying like, <clears throat> I don't have to do anything because I've got God. Right? So I don't have any responsibility to do this. I'll, I'll pray for you, brother. But I'm not going to actually have to actually physically do that. And James is going like, no, no. That's the other extreme. Right. 
you got to understand that you can't say that you're of God and that you're serving God and yet not worry or not care about these things. Right? So again, it, it comes down to the heart. So here, here's a couple of things that I kind of see. Someone else using their gift poorly does not give me an excuse for why I shouldn't have to use my gift. And what I mean by that is, is some of the times we'll see, for example, uh, let's say a TV preacher is um, doing something that you don't agree with. Okay? And so the tendency is to swing to one extreme and be like, well, they did that. I don't, I don't agree with that. And so I'm just, we're just not going to do that at all. And it's like, well, that, that isn't necessarily a healthy response, right? Because the more healthy response is, is, okay, what is a biblical way to use that gift? Not this person is doing it uh, in a non-healthy way. Because here's the truth of the matter. We're all humans, and we're, we're all going to make mistakes. And so, like, my standard shouldn't be what Todd does well or not well. My standard ought to be, does Paul say, you need to figure it out. So start with your heart. Give yourself grace to grow. Because you're not going to be perfect overnight, all right? And, and the truth of the matter is that it may not be easy. It may not be something that's just like, boom, I'm magically empowered with the ability to teach. I use teaching a lot because I, that's something that I've actually had personal experience with, uh, both as an academic teacher and in Scripture. I started helping out when I first came here with Rush, and I was kind of like, kind of felt like maybe I might like the idea to teach a little bit, but I wasn't really sure. And so I was kind of taking the approach of like, Lord, if this is something you want me to do, just give me the opportunity to teach. And then one day the Lord was like, so why don't you go ahead and prepare something? So when you get the opportunity, like you'll be ready. And I'm like, well, no, that's, that's actually not a, not a bad idea. And so I actually had to sit down and I had to like, what would I talk about? What would I teach on? I had to do some research. I had to do some study. I had to put together something. And guess what? You know what I did? All of a sudden, it was like, hey, we need somebody to, could, would, you, would you consider doing this real quickly? A lot of times, we take the approach of like, well, God, based on the opportunities I get, that's kind of the gifting that you're, that you're obviously going to give me. Well, that may or may not be true. I mean, it's possible. What are you paying attention to? What are you practicing in? What are you kind of spending time developing? So here's a couple of helpful ideas. Uh, talk to some people. You know, there's lots of good information out there. You can read some books. Hey, in a digital age, we have podcasts. Take some time, get absorbed in it, and figure out. Um, scripture, always helpful. You know, it's not your pastor's responsibility to tell you what your gift is. It's your responsibility to say, God, what have you given to me, and how do I use it? Hey, here's an idea. Invest in yourself. Like, invest in your spiritual gift. Scripture says that our heart is where our treasure is, right? And so when I invest my monetary resources into something, there's more likely that my heart's going to actually be there. Try some different things. Try serving in some different areas. You're not going to figure out what your gift is by basically coming to church and sitting in a pew and then um, leaving. Amen. It's not going to happen. Right? You've actually got to exercise some things. Uh, so try some things out. Um, my guess is in the process of trying things, you're going to figure out like, oh, this isn't for me. Or, hey, you know what? I can do this. This isn't too bad. Guess what? With 
With your gift, there's going to be some strengths and weaknesses. There's going to be some things that you're maybe good at. There's going to be some things that you're maybe, uh, I wouldn't say bad at, but maybe like not as good at, right? Here's the amazing thing. In 1 Corinthians, in the section that, like, that I read that talks about what the gifts are, in the following section, Paul goes through and he, he compares um, the church body to a physical body. And he says like, hey, the hand does this, but the hand can't tell the foot that I don't need you because we're all part of the same thing. And the foot can't tell the hand that I don't need you. In the same way, the hand can't say because I'm a hand, I'm not important. Or the foot can't say because I'm a foot, I'm, a, I'm not important. So what is my weakness isn't necessarily a bad thing. That just means it is what I need somebody else for. Here's one of the, the tensions that I see in the body of Christ. And that is, is we, don't really, we don't really do a very good job of valuing diversity. We tend to tolerate diversity more than value. And what I mean by that is, is when I value something, I appreciate the fact that it is different than me because it's doing something that I can't do. We tend to appreciate things that look like us more than things that look different than us. But what Paul is saying about the gifts is he's saying like, look, you're not going to be able to do it by yourself. You're going to have some weaknesses and you're going to need other people to help you with your weaknesses. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 3. He says, this is again Paul, he says, Because of the privilege and the authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Do not think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Sounds like a high level of self-awareness to me. Measure yourself by the faith that God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. All right, this is, this is getting good. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So on and so forth. All right, so here's the interesting thing. If you look at this, Paul gives, basically he gives an encouragement and a warning at the same time. So with each gift, he also tells you you know, there's a possibility that you might end up dealing with this. So just be aware that this is something you might have to deal with. Right? So he says, for example, um, if he's giving you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as he's giving you. So in other words, you could get to a point where you try to prophesy without faith. Pay attention to that because it's not going to work. If your gift is serving, serve others well. In other words, you can find yourself serving and not doing a good job of it. Pay attention to that. If you're a teacher, teach well. In other words, you can get up there and you can try and wing it and not really put yourself into it. What he's saying is, is hey, God's giving you a gift. That doesn't magically mean that you're going to do it well. You have to pay attention to what your weaknesses are going to be, what your potential hangups are going to be, and you have to pay attention to those things. All right, so the last thing. Commit to using your gift helping the body, a.k.a. be planted. This is 
I feel like the most important part of being planted is the commit part. That's why being planted is so important because if you are not planted and you're not committed, you will not more than likely use your gift. That's one of the reasons why Satan tries to bring so much division in the body to keep people from being planted. It's because he's going to try and tell you, if you trust him with that, they're just going to, they're going to misuse it. They're going to hurt you. Guess what? If you're using your spiritual gifts, the chances are you're going to have the opportunity to get offended. You're going to have the opportunity to get hurt. You just have to make the choice. That yeah. What I'm about here, what we're about here is more important than what my personal preferences are. And if my personal preferences are the most important, I got to go back to the heart thing. Because if my goal is to grow the body, then my role or my opinions take a back seat and they take a secondary role to what he says is important. And here's the way the kingdom works. When you give, you receive. It's just the way that it works. It's the, it's, it's the upside down kingdom. I don't get by collecting everything I can. I get according to kingdom principles by giving. When I sow into others, I'm blessed in return. Just remember, it's good. He gave it. It's good. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to require you to pay attention to it. It's going to require you to absorb yourself in it. And be sure that it's something that you make a priority. Because I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, in this day and age, if you don't make it a priority, it's not going to happen. So moving forward, I don't know where you are. I don't know what your experience is or anything else. But this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to just pray a general blessing over everybody. And I want you to recognize that God is planting something inside of you. Not that maybe he hasn't in the past. But he's put something inside of you. And just so that you know, like today, we're just going to pray that you become aware of what it is that he's put inside of you. So when you leave, you can't say, like, God, I'm not sure if you've given me anything. Because God's given it to you. Right? This, I believe, with 100% certainty. He said he wants to give it to you, and he's planted it inside of you. Right? In the same way that I go out and I plant a seed. The seed is planted this morning. You have heard what he said about what he wants to do in each and every one of our lives. So the question is, Lord, what am I going to do with it? Okay, I encourage you to get one of these tests. And here's the other thing that I'll say. As a pastoral staff, it does not help me for you to know what your gift is and nobody else does. Come on. Right? Because if I'm making a phone call and I'm like, I need, uh, I need a teacher and I'm calling somebody who has... I don't know, say the gift of healing. And they're like, well, I, I, I don't know why pastor would be calling me to teach. I mean, I, I think maybe like, maybe it's God's sign that I'm supposed to be a teacher or something. Well, like if it's helpful for us to kind of know like, hey, this is what God's putting in my heart. These are the things that I feel like God's gifting me to do. These are ways that, that I feel like I can plug in and I can serve and everything um, and do it well. So Father, right now, Father, we just release your presence just to have its way in our heart. Father, I speak right now to everything in every heart that is not of you, Father, that would hinder the production of fruit. And we say that it is plucked out and removed right now. And Father, we just release you to begin to prepare the soil of our hearts. Father, to remove the weeds, begin to water the soil, Father, 
and we release you to plant what it is in each and every one of us that you want. According to your word, Father, you said that you give each according to what you desire. So, Father, we release you to do that this morning, to plant what it is that you want in each and every life. And, Father, we're asking for the supernatural ability to pay attention to what you give us this morning. Father, the supernatural ability to trust what you're um, entrusting to us. And, Father, and that we could pay attention to it and that we could start to develop and start to grow so that others can look at us and say, wow, I see a difference in their life. That person must be paying attention to the gift that God's given them. And Father, I come against any uh, distractions. I come against any confusion. I come against anything that would try to rob what it is that you're doing, Father, and that you would just increase our awareness to recognize, Father, when we start to get sidetracked, that you would give us the spiritual sense to notice and say, okay, Lord, I'm getting sidetracked from what I need to pay attention to right now. And Lord, in the, in the times that we get frustrated, um, that you would give us patience, the times we get discouraged, that you would help us to persevere, Father. The times when we, we just get tired and we get beat down, Lord, that, that we're not going to give up. We're going to continue to persevere. And Father, I come against any fear right now in the name of Jesus. Any fear that would, Father, um, prevent someone from, from stepping out. Any fear that would prevent someone from being vulnerable. Any fear that would prevent someone from asking for help or developing their gift. And Father, we just speak a release of your presence, your love. Father, your word says love cast out fear. And so we release that right now in this place. And Lord, we thank you that we get to partner with you with what you're about. And we just ask, Lord, for supernatural opportunities to use our gifts for your glory and to help others. And Father, help us not to miss those opportunities because we're too busy with something else. But Father, that you would open the eyes of our heart to recognize, hey, this is an opportunity for me to be used by the Lord to be able to exercise my gifting. In the process of doing that, Father, we release a higher level of self-awareness to recognize this is something that I love. This is something that makes me come alive inside. This is something that I can see myself doing. And God is equipping me in a special way to do that. And Father, as we begin to pay attention, Father God, that you're going to do even more abundantly, Father, greater than what we can even ask and imagine. And Father, that you're going to continue to shape us and mold us and build us into what it is that you're building. And we just thank you that it's all going to be good as a result of it. And we declare this all in your name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Church Alive's Teaching of the Week. We invite you to visit us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or find us on the radio at 11 a.m. on Renew 96.9.